but never ever gets boring. Rounding up the humorous stuff in the news about Mormons. Can't wait to see what fun will they do. Everybody, what's going on? Welcome to This Week in Mormons. I'm your host, Jeff Openshaw. Thank you, always, for tuning in for another wonderful episode of our show. Um, it's been a great year so far in 2021, and we're happy to be with you. Please join us at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash This Week in Mormons. Follow us on Twitter at The Real Twim, and on Instagram, which we post to once a month or so, because I'm too lazy to maintain it. And, uh, and if you haven't subscribed to this show already, we certainly hope you'll do so. I always pitch that, but please hit that subscribe button, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts, we hope you'll take the time. Uh, to listen in and i'll give that other pitch i always give join our patreon group two dollars a month helps to keep the lights on to pay all, all of our exorbitant fees to make this public service happen for you and speaking of public service i am very excited for our discussion this week yes folks we're going to get a little political but in a in a non-partisan way so i think you'll appreciate that after you were all tired of me during the election last year so we're very excited this week to speak with uh, audrey martin and rochelle price who are with Project Elect, which is an organization devoted to encouraging and getting Latter-day Saint women to run for public office. I think we're going to have a great discussion about that this week. So, Audrey, Rochelle, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for so having much for having us. us. Yeah, it's great to have <laughs> That was twinsies. Um, <laughs> that was great. So before we get into that, why don't you, uh, both of you like to uh, introduce yourselves, maybe starting with Audrey. You want to explain who you are and what makes you what makes you qualified to be part of this discussion? <laughs> okay, sounds good. Um, so my name's Audrey Perry Martin. I am a political lawyer by trade. Um, I'm technically the founder of Project Elect, although it's taken the skills and wisdom of many of us to get up and running. Um, I guess I've been in politics for over 15 years, mostly at the national level, uh, and just doing political law, election law, those sorts of things. Cool. And uh, and so you spent some time in D.C., I assume. Yeah. And, and and what do you do now for day work? What's your what's your jam? I mean, I've looked uh, up your bio, yeah. but they don't know. Yeah. The listeners yeah. don't they, know. They don't know. Um, so I work at a law firm. Um, I work somewhat at a think tank every once in a while. Um, I just do election law stuff. I'm really busy during election season, not as much at other times. So that's kind of my day job. And yeah, I lived in D.C. for a long time, went to law school at Georgetown and oh, cool. lived there, worked on the Hill afterwards so you enjoyed the, lots the, of politics you enjoyed that sweet sweet hill salary you know when yes they, when it they, was incredible when they show you how to stretch twenty thousand dollars mm-hmm. a year in washington dc yes it's it's, yes. it's a great job it's it's for the experience <laughs> right it is I, it's all about the experience <laughs> i when i first moved here i looked into some jobs on the hill when i was just like i can't even like pay my grad school loans yeah. if i do this yeah. job it was anyway great. Well, luckily We're, i was right out of law school so i didn't know any better that's smart. I should have done yeah. the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was already jaded by that point. So you're <laughs> good for you. And uh, Rochelle Price, tell us about yourself. Thank you. Uh, I am the mother of five, live in right outside of Sacramento in Northern California. And I'm new to politics. I'm currently serving on my local school board. I was appointed about a year and a half ago and then elected in November. So, um, Interesting. So you were, who appointed you when you, was that because there was an abrupt vacancy or how did, what Uh what happened with that? Yeah. So there was a vacancy, there was a vacancy and then a very um, painful process where they interviewed publicly those that were interested in running. There were nine of us and I was unanimously appointed and then um, was on the school board for that first year. And then just until that seat ended and there was a vacancy and then I had to run. Uh, my campaign and get elected for that spot. Wow. That's pretty awesome. That must've been, I think school board races are fascinating and there's a lot of, I mean, obviously there's tons of issues there and I've, how, how was it for you? I don't want to digress too much, but school boards are typically nonpartisan, but in my experience, when I've seen other people run, it's like a lot of people officially nonpartisan, but a lot of partisan forces are, are swelling underneath to try to control everything did you have that a similar experience to that oh you're saying yes yes yeah yeah i think i think especially because it's people's children we're talking about and it really matters to people and so even though it is a nonpartisan race people pretty much figure out pretty quickly where you stand on issues right um but it does it does make it interesting because people really care which is which is an advantage which is a benefit i think too yeah well, that's great. Well, congratulations. Uh, how how long is your term there on the school board? Four years. Okay. Four years. 
So, yeah. so you've got a while to both upset your constituents and then have them forget about it. <laughs> Hopefully so. Yeah. At least the, the old Mitt Romney approach to the Senate. That's, that's, <laughs> um, so, so please tell us about project elect. I'm assuming the name is a slight, is a subtle play on words that has it, a couple double meanings, but so tell us about what is it? What, why is it? Tell give me a, it point. is right. Right. I mean, the subtle play on words is project elect and then colon women in public service. And it's the elect women play on words. Right. right. Yeah. Um, and so we're a nonpartisan nonprofit organization and our goal is supporting women members of the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints as they seek public office. And we're, we gather women of the church and we educate members about how important it is for women to be involved in public service. Um, we encourage, we recruit women to run for public office and we're supporting each other and campaigning for and participating in public service. Um, we really believe that church leaders have been pretty clear in calling for more members to engage in political life, including by running for political office. And we've been concerned that the experiences and perspectives of women in faith in particular aren't really being represented in local state and national politics. Um, and although there's a lot of different organizations that are out there that are helping women run for office, are, we're focused specifically on the unique barriers that prevent Latter-day Saint women from seeing themselves as eligible to run for public office. Um, and we feel like there's this deep bench of Latter-day Saint women who are qualified, but aren't running. And so we're trying to find these women who often haven't even considered running for public office and encouraging them and supporting them and trying to get them involved. Um, and we help women across the political spectrum. We're not we're not we're a nonpartisan organization. We're not taking sides. Um, and we really want to help people across the spectrum. So. Well, you mentioned barriers, like what barriers are there for especially Latter-day Saint women in public office? Especially, uh -huh. And are there any yeah. unique ones, unique to our faith community? I think there are. It, it seems like most women members of the church just haven't even considered political service as something they could do. Uh, most of the time when I ask a Latter-day Saint woman if she'd consider running for office, she says something like, oh, I could never, or, you know, maybe my husband would run, which drives me crazy, right? Um, and we know that th these sisters aren't staying out of politics because they don't want to do service. Most of them are, you know, they serve at home, at church, in their communities, in their kids' schools, in their workplaces. Um, you know, they have really full and busy lives. But I really think our faith community could do a much better job of encouraging these women to run as well as being supportive to them when they do run. And our culture kind of needs to change a little bit for that to work, right? This this has to be valued, like serving in Relief Society or primary is valued. And right now I feel like running for public office is maybe tepidly tolerated. And you know we need to support women who are making this decision to run, contribute to their campaigns, volunteer on their campaigns, watch their kids while they go to meetings, and really embrace the fact that they're making a sacrifice for the community in their political service and come together as a community to support, support them while they do that. And I think Rochelle had some experiences while she was running where the community did kind of come together and support her, where you know our stake and faith community, Rochelle and I are in the state are in the same stake, um, kind of came together and supported her. And I don't know if she feels the same way about that, but I definitely saw some of that going on <laughs> when she ran. Do you want to speak to that, Rochelle? What, what was your experience like? Yeah, it was, it was amazing. Actually, I felt so much support at the end of my campaign. Uh, I remember the night of the election, win or lose, I felt so, um, so blessed by those people that had really rallied to support me. Um, that in included Audrey, I'm just going to give you a shout out of why I got involved in the first place. Um, I in a few months before the election was had a lot of questions. And I actually think this is one of the barriers that as LDS women we face that we are generally not educated in this area of how to fundraise and how to run a campaign and how to get endorsements and write a candidate statement and all of these things. And it actually can just be really overwhelming. And I, I remembered that Audrey had had some political experience. I wasn't even sure of the specifics, but I called her one day and said, hey, can you brainstorm with me? And she really said exactly what I needed to hear and shared with me some specifics that made it feel like it was doable for me. And it really was, um, it, it turned the corner in my confidence about being able to run a campaign and how I was going to succeed at doing that. And so I think that there's actually women, even if they're not involved in politics, there are women all over. And, and as members of the church, we can definitely do a better job, like what Audrey said, at supporting each other and encouraging each other. 
And, and how's it been for you since you've been in office? I mean, I'm, I don't know what your family situation is, but if you have children, I mean, is it obviously if we're, women are in the church, they've had demanding callings, but public office can also be demanding. What's it been like for you to balance what is now also your church life on top of yes. public service and your other family demands? How do you, how do you work it, through that? And what do you have to say to women who have concerns along those lines? I, I think that their concerns are valid. I think yeah. that there's a time and a season for everyone. And I think it's tricky because um, I have five kids and four of them are still in school. One is, has already graduated. And it was, especially with school board, it's a really great time in a woman's life to be involved because they have the networking and the relationships with the school. And they're really deeply involved in what the issues are that are facing schools. Mm -hmm. And yet I get it because it's a really also a hard time to balance a young family and, and the demands that come from that. But I also, um, even though it's been hard, it has been so rewarding and it's really, it, it helps, it helps me feel like I am making a difference because I'm spending that time on things that really are important and matter most for my family right now. But for sure, those concerns are valid for sure. It's something we've got to be prayerful about the right season and the right uh, mm -hmm. level of involvement. And, and, mm -hmm. and we've got some resources and some things that we're working on in Project Elect to help women see what some different options are about how they can get involved. And I think that just finding Finding the right fit for the right season is really important to consider. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Was your campaign, because Project Elect, by the way, everyone is not super old. You, you went official about, what, late April of 2021? Yeah, mid-April. Mid-April. This year, yes. Only, only a month or so old. Yeah. yeah. Well, I was, <laughs> yeah. I was trying to keep this evergreen content by not dating it, you know, only a month. Yeah. No, but, um, but, but was Rochelle's did Rochelle's campaign play any role into the discussions to create Project Elect, or Audrey was this already a train that was moving? And it was oh, a matter of absolutely, time. what happened with Rochelle's campaign had a place for it. So I'd been really frustrated with politics and partisanship for years. Um, I I worked literally my first. We were talking about when I worked on the Hill. My first boss. Uh, while I was working there, got stripped of his committee appointment and then went to prison while I was there. I found out later, like my coworkers had been wired the whole time I'd been working with them. Oh, wow. Um, it was like the big lobbying scandal of the day. And I kept working in politics. I worked for the Romney campaign. I worked for McCain after Romney lost. I helped run a gubernatorial campaign in California. I worked for Romney again um, in 2012 when he ran again. And in between and before and after, I worked to political law firms and represented like countless politicians, candidates, billionaires, corporations, you know, were, ran election day programs in battleground states. And campaign lawyers know all the dirt, right? We clean up all the messes and it really wears on you. And yeah. every election cycle, I got more and more cynical. And um, I did work for some really great candidates and office holders and people I admire, but there were a lot of awful ones too. And they all had one thing in common. They were all men. Every candidate I've worked with, and I've worked with scores of them, has been a man. And that we really, are the gentler sex. It's true. Uh, yes, yes, of course. But there, there just weren't enough women in like the higher levels of politics. And I was too often the only one in the room, um, at least in Republican politics where I was working. Um, that Republicans aren't known for, for being great on that. And I got fed up and wanted to be doing something else. And so I just kept praying about what I should be doing and how I could use these years of political experience to actually do some good in the world. Um, and the answer I kept getting over and over was be patient, which was hard for me because I'm not very patient. Um, but one day this woman in my state called me and she told me they were having some problems with the school board and she wanted my political advice on what to do. And I hate to say it, but I totally brushed her off. I, my cynicism came out. I told her they weren't going to listen to her. There's too much red tape. I gave her all my cynical reasons why this wouldn't work and just told her to give up. But she didn't listen to me, thankfully. And she gathered all these Latter-day Saint women together and they chipped in their skills and resources to lobby the school board to get the changes they wanted. And what started out with just a few women members grew and grew. They brought in other faith and community groups and ended up turning into an incredible grassroots campaign that would have cost thousands of dollars in the political world. And they put this together with no money, no political experience. And it really blew me away how effective they were able to be. Um, and then as a result of that, they elected two Latter-day Saint women to the school board. And Rochelle was one of those women. Um, and it was right before the pandemic started. And it was just such a blessing to have these women 
on the school board at that time, you know, when public education was one of the most heated and debated things in the country. And the women handled it so well, you know, Rochelle and this other woman, they were so thoughtful and engaged and they they were really invested in the schools. Whereas the the school board members who had been there before had kind of checked out, they'd been there forever. And it was just so amazing to have them there. And so one day during the whole process, I was sitting in the school board meeting to support them. And uh, the answer to my years of prayers came like this bolt of lightning. I, I known that these women were competent and talented and amazing, but to see them put their efforts into the political sphere, it became so clear to me what an incredible impact for good Latter-day Saint women could have in the political community. And so I just, I knew what I was supposed to do. I needed to start this organization to help elect Latter-day Saint women. Um, and so that's that's kind of how Project Elect was born. So Rochelle was really my inspiration for it. <laughs> You're patient zero, Rochelle. You should be. <laughs> she absolutely is. <laughs> I don't know about that. Audrey's pretty amazing. <laughs> um, well, I'm curious about. So, how do you go about? How does this process work? I mean, mm-hmm. I I'm sure there might be some people who are nominated. How do you target, for lack of a better expression, how do you target women and find women? Uh, who you would want to run for public office. So this has been kind of the amazing part of starting this organization. People have just been coming to us and it's been incredible to see. So we're really focused on giving women the opportunity to kind of come together and help each other more than we're serving as like their campaign consultants or advisors. And we we feel that if we bring them together, they'll be well equipped to help each other, just like the women in my community did. And so we are we're set up to give women the opportunity to recruit and mentor and volunteer and support each other as they're seeking public office. So our website has all these resources to help members of the church support and encourage women in taking seriously their opportunities for public service. And we've got this incredible mentorship program that we're building and we're, we are still building it, but it's mm-hmm. one, of, one of the biggest difficulties, like Rochelle was saying, that women have in getting into campaigns and running for office. So they just don't know where to start or have an understanding of how it even works. And so having a mentor guide them through the process makes a huge difference. So we connect these women who are considering running for office with the woman who has run for and held office before. And it's been so exciting because so many women who are office holders, who are on the school board or city council or a mayor or in the state legislature have approached us and asked to help. And they're so excited that this organization exists and about the work we're doing. And a few of them have said, I wanted to start an organization like this. Um, And it's been amazing to talk to them and hear their stories and to set them up with Project Elect, you know, and to let them pass their wisdom and experience and their passion on to these other women. I also think we've got something really unique on our website and that we have a place where you can send a woman a certificate that you respect and admire. And often the conversations that I've had with people that are running for public office or um, I've started down that, it's because someone asked them. Somebody came to them and thought highly enough of them to say, hey, would you ever consider running for city council? Hey, you're really great at this and you make such a contribution in this area. And and it doesn't always have to be public office. We really appreciate what you do, you know, on the baseball team, right? As the team mom, whatever. Um, yeah. But when we ask someone, suddenly maybe something that was a stirring that you had inside, it's like, hmm, maybe, right? Maybe I would be good at it. And that gives people a little bit of a boost. And so we do have something really fun on our website where you can send these women that you admire and respect and know would do a great job and email them a certificate. And, and it's an invitation for them. Mm-hmm. That's cool. And I, I agree. I think many probably wouldn't have considered this in the first place, but sometimes all we need is the nudge yeah, you know, right. to, to get an idea. Yeah. An, an, a nugget, uh, a seed, if you will, an Alma 32. Um, <laughs> I, the, you mentioned the certificate. And so I was looking yeah. at, at the website and there's a couple of different things you do. And I think this is similar. This is part of that certificate. Mm-hmm. And you say on the website, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, after a woman is released from a calling, perhaps mm-hmm. in her ward, a leadership calling that might've been demanding, for example, mm-hmm. that the certificate, you can also make a certificate that sort of highlights the, the type of service she rendered, the activities she engaged in. And part of that, you know, mm-hmm. like, as you kind mm-hmm. of said, Rochelle, like why that makes her fit for public service, why, you know, to, to believe in herself and what she's done. I am curious just how you feel in that sense. It just made me think about like just the broader discussion of um, 
our church service in general, mm-hmm. our alms in this and that, and where the line is or what is or is not appropriate to highlight as we run for office in the public space. I mean, like, Audrey, you ran for the Romney campaign. I remember when he had the nomination back mm-hmm. in 12. Mm-hmm. And they, without saying stake president, I remember during the convention, they kind of highlighted his experiences right. with that because I'm sure there was a lot behind it. It was to help mm-hmm. normalize him and show his service and a lot of all these good things, right? Um, but I have seen, I think, mixed reactions to that in general. Some people who feel like, well, no, your church service is your church service and you keep that quiet. And then like, and and then it's also the other side of it. Like, uh, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've been in meetings and they've said like, you should put your mission on your resume and say, you know, I rendered two years of, yeah. of I was a two year service missionary dealing with abstract concepts to difficult audiences and whatever <laughs> weird euphemistic language you can throw out there. But I was just wondering what what you think, if you think there is a, if there's a line or if we should or should not highlight too much of our church activity for the sake of, I don't want to say political gain, but for the uh-huh. sake of, of helping us get a foot in the door if we're trying to run a campaign. Um, I mean, I think that's very much more of a personal decision. I mean, mm-hmm. on the Romney campaign, that's funny you mentioned that. It, it was like pulling teeth to get him to let, was it? let anyone talk about that. Yes, he, he was very much I not. remember when they were like trotting out people from Massachusetts who were like, uh-huh. I knew him then. He, he, he was, yeah. yeah, he wasn't super yeah. happy about comfortable with that. But I, I think that um, I, I think it's kind of a personal decision. I do think that women part of the thing that's holding women of the church back from running is that they they feel like they're not qualified to run. And so I think it's different to say, look at all these skills you gained while you were primary president or while you were stake relief society president or while you were whatever. And, you know, you could, these skills have made you qualified to run for public office. Not necessarily you're going to put it on your resume right. or like use it as a, as a jumping off point to say, look at all these things I've done, but as, as personal, you know, inspiration to say, Oh, look at all these things I have done. Look at all of this, these things I am capable of. Look at how the Lord's been preparing me. Um, and, and, you know, go and pray about it and say, is this something I should do? And so I think that, is a totally different concept than maybe maybe what you're talking about where where people are listing on their resume or whatever, um, which I, I'm not opposed to necessarily, but I think people have different comfort levels about that. Rashad, I they- agree with you. I think, yeah, I think that what's amazing is as women in the church, because of our callings, we've actually got some really unique skill set. Uh, you know, I have a non-member coming to church with me right now, and and she's blown away that at 12, we start public speaking in front of hundreds of people, right, for an example. And mm-hmm. so I'll use my campaign as an example. I, I never talked about my church service, but my church service actually led me to be um, a Cub Scout leader. And so when I was sharing the things that made me a well-rounded community member, it included being a Cub Scout, Cub Scout leader. Mm-hmm. In addition, I was part of um, my public affairs calling. I helped with a community tree lighting event, and I led that for seven years. And so I talked about that, not in, not in the lens of I did that because of church calling, and it actually started off as that, and then I decided I'm going to run with it on my own anyway. So I do feel like there's a balance, right? We definitely want to share the skills because that does really set us apart. And it is a blessing and an advantage and something we want to use as, as strengths to help us. Um, but I agree with you. I'm, I'm careful about church things, but I also um, have used them as examples, maybe not on a campaign flyer, right? But it is something yeah. that has made me who I am, is that I've had those experiences within mm-hmm. and without of the church as a community member. I mean, I think you should put enrichment night on a <laughs> flyer. <laughs> I feel like this might be a missed opportunity. But, and call it uh, that, right? Because everyone knows right. what that is. That's going to go over Expert well. centerpiece skills. Very exactly. adept at centerpiece Perfect. stuff. Like, sorry. Yeah. I know I'm trading in cliches right, and stereotypes right now. I'm sorry. Um, one thing that this kind of popped in my head right now, and I hope you'll indulge me on this. So I th- I naturally think about the proclamation on the family I, and mm-hmm. things like that. I have a couple of questions about that. But more specifically, do you find, um, like Rochelle, for example, I mean, were you working professionally when you ran? I- I'm basically wondering if, so you've been a full-time mom, which is a massive undertaking. Did you feel in running for office in that sense, you were any kind of a disadvantage in that you did not have quote unquote professional experience to call back on as you ran? Uh, even if I think we should obviously honor the great work of moms, but politics are dirty and difficult. Did, did Do you feel like that puts you in a place at all? Or have you seen that 
in a broader context, I, uh, Audrey as well? I, I didn't feel like that of the people that when I was appointed, um, of the, all of them, I was the only one that was, you know, a full-time okay. mom. Um, I had two small businesses, but really small side businesses. I actually feel like it was such an advantage for me because I had lots of opportunities to volunteer and to be really active in my community. And that's really what I highlighted. And I think it's what made me stand out in the, in campaigning, um, those were, then that was a blessing of being a full-time mom. I had the time mm-hmm. to do that. So That's I just great. tried to highlight and focus on that. I I think that honestly is something that is an advantage that Latter-day Saint women have. I, I know people look at it and think, oh, you haven't worked or I haven't worked and maybe I'm not qualified, but these women are not they're volunteering in their communities. They know about their kids' schools. They know the administrators at their kids' school. I mean, Rochelle was like PTC or PTA, whatever whatever the school calls it, president at the high school. Um, and so that really gave her advantage in the race because she knew all these people. She was intimately involved in the communities. And there's so many Latter-day Saint women who that applies for. They're, they're involved in the communities. They know a lot of people. They're out serving all the time, helping people, um, not just in their church community, but the community at large. And I think those experiences and those relationships they have and that knowledge that they have really makes them ideal community leaders and the types of people you want in the community making the decisions for the community because they know what's going on in the community and they're very invested in their community. Um, and the fact that they are, you know, very invested in their families and very invested in their church communities and their neighborhoods makes them really good community leaders because they care um, and because they want to be involved and because they know what's going on. So I, I would almost say that's a benefit and an advantage a lot of times. Oh, I, I agree. What? No, Sorry about ahead. that. Well no, said. Ahead. I was just I was just going to say, you know, we want Latter-day Saint women to feel like each of us have a voice and it's a really unique perspective, whether we have mm-hmm. five children or one, whether we've worked outside of our home or worked inside mm-hmm. of our home, right? We we really want women to feel like their voice is needed. It's unique. And we have a prophet and leaders that have really set us up for complete success in that, right? They've reminded us of what that they need us to step up and to and to take mm-hmm. a place in this arena. And and even though it's out of our comfort zone, we have a perspective and a voice that's unique and is really needed. I appreciate that. Do do you ever feel like I mentioned the proclamation on the family, do you feel like there's ever pushback from folks who think that you know, like if we're being very literal in our our interpretations of the proclamation, you know, that you know where I'm getting at right here, the classic paragraph, you know, the man to be the provider and you should be nurturing. And I'm sure we can define what nurturing means. I think the fact that you're on the school board is nurturing a lot of kids that are not just your own. But I think we do have a lot of literalists in our faith, even though I think the proclamation is, of course, more of a a a guide. It's like the old pirates movie, right? It's more of a set of guidelines, <laughs> not the code, right? Um it's a set of guidelines and all of our circumstances are different. But I don't know if in your experience running for office or Audrey and your lengthy experience in politics, do you see within our faith community some people who go beyond the mark and feel that women should not be involved in this, in, in the political space? I have space? not. I think in 2021 with Russell M. Nelson as our prophet, I have not felt that. I have really just had women and, and men be so positive and mm-hmm. supportive. And mm-hmm. yeah, that's been a great thing. Yeah. I was expecting a little pushback on this, but we haven't gotten any this far. Um, and I feel like people are really ready for this. That feels like it's time. Um, and I also feel like we literally have church leaders telling us differently. Like President Ballard's talk in recent, I think 2018, he said, church members, men and women should not hesitate if they desire to run for public office, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that kind of directly contradicts that interpretation. Um, and so things like that help. Um, and then Latter-day Saint women have, since the beginning of church history, been involved in politics. And I think yeah. that's that's been talked about a lot more recently. Um, and, and you know, the first female state senator, Martha Hughes Cannon, was from Utah. And so I think I, I'd also point out that if you run for local office, you're not suddenly a lifelong politician. You can serve a term or two and then recruit someone to take your place. And maybe you do that in a season of life when you don't have kids in your house or your kids are older. Um, and and like what you said, like Rochelle being on the school board, she is nurturing a lot of children. Um, she is 
having a very obvious impact on people's everyday lives. And I think people have a better appreciation for the importance of local government after this COVID year, where you live, the decisions your local government was making was having very real, obvious impacts on people's everyday lives. Um, and the curriculum your school board chooses, or if they're spending their money unwisely, that's absolutely going to impact your kids. Um, and so I, I think that just, that just hasn't been a big deal um, for us. That's good. I think that's good to hear. I think we've evolved uh, quite a bit in the mm-hmm. past number of years. And there's great things to celebrate, like especially in our faith community, man. Last year, we saw uh, you know, the 100th anniversary of suffrage, and there's a great mm-hmm. history in Utah, for example, of being mm-hmm. first in the, what was the official thing? It was the first, not the first state, it was the first- The first uh, vote cast, I the think. The first vote cast is what it was, yes, because yes. Wyoming got the vote first, but yeah. the first right. election was in Utah. Right. We had, I don't know if you know Nylon McBain, but we had her on- to dis- she, she wrote a whole book about Yeah, um, she's, about she's fantastic. Yeah. She's fantastic. So we, anyways, listeners, if you haven't heard that interview, go back and find <laughs> that one. That was, that, was a good, that was a good interview last year. Nylon's awesome. We've had her on a couple of times. So you're, you have a threefold mission, similar to what the church has had at one point in time, <laughs> before we added on that fourth pillar of helping the poor. But you had a- You're saying we need a fourth. <laughs> that's up to you. That, that's up to you. you know, everyone's adding fourth, fourth tiers nowadays. I only recently learned Chick-fil-A added a fourth tier of reward status. Just oh, to wow. Yeah, oh, I know. Seriously. That's big. I should know that. Yes. So, Rochelle, this was very recent. I was a red member for a long time until the pandemic because, right? Y- yes. Two yeah. of my oldest two kids have worked for Chick-fil-A. I mean, I, I definitely have status, but I don't know if well, I now they have fourth tier. Now there's a signature tier where you okay. get even more points. Signature. It sounds like a like a trim level of an SUV, but here we are. <laughs> My new goal. Perfect yeah, signature. Thank you. Anyway, um, so your mission your, your mission is, of course, first, to educate members of the mm-hmm. church about the importance of women's involvement in public service. Second, mm-hmm. encourage and recruit women to run for public service. We've talked about mm-hmm. that. And mm-hmm. third, support each other in campaigning. I'd like to go to that first point a little bit more. Mm-hmm. We've talked about the other two. Yeah. Like, what do you do specifically to educate members of the church? We've alluded to some of it already, but what's yeah. what, what what programmatic options do you have there to help educate us to be more accepting of this idea, to be more supportive, mm-hmm. to understand the value of women in public service, yeah. particularly yeah. from our faith? Well, being on your podcast is part of it. Um, I really think that one of the big reasons more Latter-day Saint women aren't running for public office is because we as a faith community haven't yet encouraged them or really emphasized supporting them in -hmm. making that kind of service sacrifice. Um, And education is key and of the whole church population is is key in that. and we've talked about how, you know, the prophets and apostles have said over and over again, we need to get involved in our communities. We need to be serving in our communities, active in public affairs, educated about politics. We need to be informed voters. Um, and at Project Elect, we've been reading through church talks and church magazine articles, looking for quotes from church leaders about public service. And there are so many of them uh, from early church history to President Oaks's talk last conference. Uh, this is something we've been told over and over and again that we need to be doing. And yet it seems like members, especially women, just kind of overlook this. I mean, it's even in the church handbook, right? It says like church members are encouraged to consider serving in elected or appointed public offices or something like that. Yeah, it doesn't say um, church men. It says no, church members. No, it says members. church yeah. members, right, yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, you know, President Zoke's talk and it was fantastic for us because he gave this talk and then we launched and, it, it, you know, it was like, Perfect timing. Um, but yeah. so we're trying to do everything we can to reach out to Latter-day Saint media ser- ser- sources to talk about these things, to bring up all the times our leaders have called the saints to be involved in public affairs, to run for office, to be informed. Um, and we really want to meet Latter-day Saint women where they're at and tell them you're qualified to run right now. You're needed in your community. The decisions you're ma- going to make as a community leader will have real impact on your family and church community. And they, and they need you to run. And you've mentioned um, the races being very local. Is that kind of the main focus, talking about community races, especially since you're nonpartisan? Is that sort of the main angle? Or are you willing to throw your hat in the ring and go after you know, a state assembly or a state senate seat? Yeah. Even though, even though that might be a partisan race. But are you... Yeah. We're not exclusively doing nonpartisan races, no. I, I mean, we're focused on local races, especially as we're just starting out, because that's where the bench is from, right? You have to have a strong local local office holder bench so that those people can move up to higher offices. So that's where we're really focusing. But I, hopefully the goal is 
to do higher offices as as we build that bench of Latter-day Saint women. And I guess you haven't you haven't done that part of it yet, you no. know, partisan offices, but you obviously you're going to great lengths to be nonpartisan. I think that's <laughs> admirable and good. I, I know that even some a lot of your members professionally mm-hmm. probably have had partisan related jobs. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you you worked for the Romney campaign, for example, yeah. you've done things. There's yeah. partisan sides of things. Sure. Right, right. So I guess what I'm curious about is it like, how difficult is it to maintain a nonpartisan stance? This is a lot of hypothetical, but yes. let's say, let's say in theory, okay, Audrey, I'm just going to pick on you since we know okay. that you've done Republican stuff. So bear with me. But let's say you find a ca- very capable LDS woman who's ready to run for office. She checks all the boxes for the kind mm-hmm. of work you want to do within Project mm-hmm. Elect, but she happens to be a Democrat and she's mm-hmm. going after what could be a vulnerable seat for a Republican. Mm-hmm. How do you, especially as someone who is a Republican and you believe in Republican values and probably want to mm-hmm. see those values succeed, mm-hmm. how do you reconcile that or prioritize if it comes to that, You know, helping one of your own within Project Elect, but who yeah. might share political views in a partisan seat that you perhaps do not share? Mm-hmm. I'm so glad you asked this question because I think it's really important. I have pretty strong feelings about Project Elect remaining politically neutral. And yeah. you know, like you pointed out, I've worked in partisan politics for most of my career and we have board members from both sides of the aisle. And a lot of us do have partisan J jobs because politics is partisan business. Um, but we want to be as balanced as we can be. We're you know, actively recruiting to be balanced. And we're really committed to being an organization that Latter-day Saint women of any political persuasion feel safe and welcome coming to for help. Um, And I think that's where the gathering portion of our, our mission comes into play. So I don't necessarily have to be the one helping a Democratic right. candidate. We're recruiting Democratic mentors. We're recruiting Democratic volunteers. And so I can take a Democratic candidate that comes to us and give her her resources that want to help her her because we have women who are willing to help her who do believe in what she believes in. And so that's why we kind of set it up like we did so that we can have women helping women who have similar political views to each other. Because although, you know, ideally everyone would help each other, that's not how politics works, right? That's just not the reality. So the way we're set up, we hope that we can um, get women working together to help each other so that we don't have as difficult of conflicts as you're pointing out. Yeah. Um, and I think we've done a pretty good job of this so far. Actually, just the other day, I set up a moderate Democratic mentor with a moderate Republican candidate, and they were both super excited about the mentorship. Um, so I'm hopeful Project Elect can be as much of a partisan bickering free zone as possible because we definitely need those these days. Just a little bit. I mean, mm-hmm. just a little. <laughs> I'm reminded of for how used to Jeff Flake used to do these road trips with a Democratic senator. I forgot who who it was, but it was this like. Do you remember that at all? Uh, anyway, I, that's I don't think so. it. Popped in my head. He was trying to demonstrate bipartisanship, uh-huh. so he and, and a Democrat would like drive across the country and just document it on social media that's and say awesome. like, "See, we can be friends." Yes, like it's. It, it makes me sad we've gotten to the point where just saying something like "we can be friends" is a. It's ridiculous. We can do better, so I'm. Yes, yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we are striving for that because mm-hmm. yeah, we're definitely yes, Rochelle. And I think that's such a, a great point for these Latter-day Saint women to to be examples for their own kids and their own families and ward members about um, civil discourse and how we deal with disagreements and conflict. And it's just a really uh, hands-on way to mm-hmm. to teach our, our children. And there's been many people that have said, you know, you're so lucky. And I know Audrey has just daughters too, that your girls are watching you do this, right? So another reason for a Latter-day Saint women to throw our hat in and be willing. Mm-hmm. We need it. Absolutely. We do yeah. need it. This is a bit of a pivot, but do you, I mean, do you target women or look for women of a particular age group or at least of having kids of a particular age? Like I could see, I'm sure, I'm sure Rochelle, it's, it's been something for you to still have a lot of kids in school, but I don't think your kids are in diapers or anything. No, no, my um, is 12. Like, is there a, is there a cutoff, so to speak? I could see running for office being significantly more challenging for a woman who might have, you know, very, very young kids mm-hmm. that still need to be potty trained or mm-hmm. learn how not to choke on things and all kinds yeah. of stuff like that. Is that a consideration where you would kind of kindly decline or just or is it just an open forum and whoever's best is best? So we don't, uh, yeah, we don't target any specific 
age group of women, but certainly, you know, it's understandable that women at certain seasons in their lives are probably more likely to have the space and time to run for office. Um, One thing that we're working on, Rochelle and I are working on actually right now is trying to get women on their city or county boards and commissions, which is a pretty low time commitment and something maybe you could do when your kids are younger and just to be involved in politics, start networking in politics um, and in your local communities. And then maybe start thinking about a run for office when it's your season to run for office. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, I'm not planning on put, trying to push somebody to run for office when they've got kids in diapers. You know, that's not that's not our goal. Because um, thinking of my own life, I definitely could not have done that um, and wouldn't have considered it. But you know, once once you're in a season where you feel like you could do it. Um, I, I hope that women will consider it. And I love the concept of seasons because it means that although, you know, at some point of my life, maybe something seems impossible in the next season, it could be achievable. And I hope that women will look at public service through that lens. And even if they can't manage it right now to keep it in their minds for the future. Yeah, yeah because here, Audrey and I had a phone call this morning with a, with a grandma who said, I'm kind of thinking about running, right? Mm-hmm. She's raised her kids and she has the time and she felt like awesome. she could she could do it. Yeah. So it's different for everybody, but there definitely are opportunities and like you said, times and seasons. Mm-hmm. And, and obviously you're both based in California. Are you getting, are you getting contacted from people all around the country? And, and when, and when you're in a sort of a nascent organization like this, is that, how is that logistically if you're both in, obviously it's not just the two of you, but, yeah. um, but it's a big country. And, uh, and obviously I think we're all also very used to zooming for many mm-hmm. things in this day and age to so perhaps it's the right time, but that's, is it overwhelming in that sense? Do you feel like you're, uh, successfully marshalling the resources to meet the demand? Uh, we're, we're definitely doing our best at this point. I don't think yeah. the geographical limitations are that bad right now, just because like you said, everyone's used to just hopping on Zoom. So it, that hasn't really been an issue. And we do have board members. I mean, we've got board members in DC. We've got board members in you know a Western states. So it, that hasn't really been an issue necessarily. Um, but it's been, you know, it, it is fun to have people from different states contact us and want to run like states that you wouldn't think of like Arkansas or Kentucky, you know, um, Mm. and, and to try and help them. And it's, it's harder in the states where there is a smaller Latter-day Saint population to, you know, find them a mentor and figure it out, but we're definitely working on it. And I think as our organization grows and as we're around more and people hear about us, I think it'll be. Uh, easier because we'll have a, a better database of mentors to connect people to. And I've connected mentors with people outside of their state um, because I think that can still be helpful, even though they might not know the exact details of exactly how to run for office in that state. They can still help with things like fundraising or, you know, just the basic requirements and time commitments and issues that it takes to run for office. So. And I think How that's you, an advantage. Oh. We've got some, sorry, I think it's an advantage. We've got some states with deeper benches, right, that we can draw from. And they can help, you know, some of these states that maybe there's lower numbers, but we want to get those started um, everywhere across the country. Mm-hmm. And sort of speaking of those benches, that's what I was going to ask. Um, do you, is there any data to support, is there any idea that... Uh, how a female representation is not just Latter-day Saint female representation, but just female representation in state governments, local governments. Is it different inside areas with heavier Latter-day Saint populations, essentially, you know, the Mormon corridor, Utah, Arizona, maybe Idaho, mm-hmm. like are the numbers, I think some might expect it to be lower than it might be elsewhere, but that's straight conjecture on my part. Are there, do you know much about that? So a little bit. So Arizona is pretty good. Like the state legislative representation in Arizona, they're number sixth for having women. Mm-hmm. Idaho is 27th, so not great. And Utah is 40th in the nation for female representation in the state legislature. Um, Idaho and Utah do not have female members in Congress right now at all. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if you can make big conjectures from that because it's kind of a, a big range, but probably Utah right. with its largest proportion of Latter-day Saints is the most illustrative. Um, and 40th in the nation is pretty abysmal um, for the Especially state. Especially when, when Nevada is like, isn't Nevada yeah, one of the Nevada's highest? Number one. Nevada yeah. is number one. Yeah. yeah. And so, you know, that's pretty bad. We had the first female state senator and now we're 40th, right? So um, we have, we definitely have room for improvement. I blame all Absolutely. those people in, day, in daybreak. It's all daybreaks. It's all daybreaks. It's always daybreaks. A lot lot to put on their shoulders. Well, daybreak daybreak can handle it, though. It's the land that we're designed to inherit. It's daybreak. It's beautiful. So um, 
one thing I would love for you to tell us about this. So on your website, one of the things you're in, you have a page for church leaders, mm-hmm. what yeah. church leaders can do. And one of the things you encourage church leaders to do is read a letter from the pulpit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love this idea, but I would love you to please tell us what what this would mean. Okay. It's a okay. novel idea. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So we've heard what kind of inspired this is we had heard some stories of bishops who, when they released someone from a big time consuming calling, they didn't give them a new calling for a year. Instead, they told them to spend the time they would normally spend on a church calling to go out into the community at large and serve. And we love that concept. I mean, can you imagine the bridges we could build if, if more bishops did that? Right. But um, I don't, know that anyone's actually read this letter in their ward yet, but we wanted to put something up there for church leaders to use as a template or maybe like a jumping off point. So maybe like a stake president would like the concept and come up with something similar. Uh, Or maybe it's just a starting off point for a discussion about President Oaks's talk at a fireside. Um, Church leaders obviously know their congregations and receive inspiration for them, and they can maybe use our resources however they find most helpful. The letter just basically points out what the handbook says about running for office and brings up what, you know, some quotes from church leaders and then asks women to maybe pray about it and consider running. So it's not like this revolutionary letter or anything. It's just got some concepts in it that maybe church leaders could think about. And maybe if they wanted to talk to their congregation about it, they could. And this was fun because as I read through this paragraph, you know, you've said you could do it in a lot of different settings. Obviously, uh-huh. in my mind, I I've, I saw just like the bishop stepping up in January <laughs> and being like, you know, uh-huh. as they read letters from from Salt Lake or right, whatever right. else that comes down and saying, brothers and sisters, I want, especially sisters, I want you to think about whether it's time for you to run for uh-huh. political office, which would be if you went to church and someone did that, yeah. you'd be like, what, what ward am I in? This yes. is something else. Yes. Um, but this did, I actually reached out to a buddy of mine who's been a bishop and he's been uh-huh. in the stake presidency. And I wanted to verify with him. I said, like, can bishops read whatever they want from the pulpit or does it have to be an official communique from the church? And he was like, you can pretty much do whatever you want. I mean, obviously, if you're going off the rails, you'll get in trouble. But um, <laughs> good but, to know. Yeah, it's not off the rails. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But I think this would be so refreshing to have to just go and be reminded and specifically have counsel to the, the sisters in the ward to encourage yeah. them just to consider. Is this something uh, you should do? And everyone, obviously, municipalities and and organ- political organizations are different in every state. Mm-hmm. You know, we live in. Like, I yeah. live in Virginia, which has no cities, which is a very yeah. bizarre thing. But that's how we are here. Um, which I feel like does kind of narrow the scope of the things you can do because you can't just like run for city council because yeah. you have to get on. You have to get on the board, county board of supervisors, mm-hmm. like as your first step. So, um, I love the step. idea of the letter. That is just a, just a little. Good. Yeah, <laughs> we like um, it too. I think it's very interesting. And you did answer my other question. I was wondering, like, has anyone done this yet? Is this a thing? But you said, as far as you're aware. Not, not yet. Not yet. You don't know. We should, uh, you should find a way to track that. I don't know how you would, <laughs> but we need documentation of this. That would be awesome. That would be great. Yes. It would be awesome. Well, this has been a really great discussion for me. I'm a huge believer in the importance of women just in our church in general, but in enabling and empowering women to to chase after great opportunities and to participate in the world and in the community and mm-hmm. that we shouldn't try to you know, sweep them under the rug, or as we said earlier in this in this discussion, you know, oh my husband will do it. Like we've we've got to get away from that mentality because mm-hmm. the sisters in our church have incredible things to offer the world around mm-hmm. us and we can learn a lot from them. I mean, I'm very fortunate I was raised by a single mom who was a dynamo and was a political pollster and uh wow. and it was great. And I'm super, super thankful for the things she did and the things she taught me. And, um, and I think I, that's probably why I am the way I am. So I, I appreciate a great deal about what the two of you are doing as well as the other, the many other individuals involved in project elect to encourage the women of our faith to, to look beyond what might be sort of the obvious path and, uh, consider something, something greater, something even more impactful than that. Um, anything else that I failed to ask you that you want to pitch before we go? I would just direct people to our website because we have yeah, all kinds sure. of great things. It's projectelectwomen.org. Um, and just in, I, I mean, I just know so many women. I was having a conversation with a woman the other day who she was, you know, thinking about going back to work. And she had a lot of the same concerns, I think, that women who are anxious about running for office have. And I I got on my soapbox and I listed all the things she'd done while raising her kids and and told her, you know, you have all these skills and leadership qualities and this maturity, grace and understanding from being a mom. How are these not valuable? How can you say you're not qualified? And I I mean, I was looking at her thinking anyone would be lucky to hire her. She would make a great public 
public officer. She's got office holder. She's got leadership abilities coming out of her ears. And and this is the case with so many Latter-day Saint women. They just undervalue their skills and, and abilities. And there's the saying that's permeated women in politics commentary that women need to be asked to run for political office seven times to make the decision to run. And I don't know if you can scientifically prove that or not, but in my experience, it kind of rings true. But I think if most women need to be asked seven times, Latter-day Saint women might need to be asked twice that many times. And so I feel like we need to be constantly asking members, women members of our church to run for office, like all the time, ask them constantly. Um, and, you know, go to our website, send them an email through our website, generate this certificate and send it to them and just really encourage the great women in your life to run for office. I will just add that uh, there is no growth in the in the comfort zone and no comfort in the growth zone, right? This is This is outside of, I would guess most people, but for sure, I'll just speak for myself. This is outside of my comfort zone and it has been, it has been humbling and it has brought me to my knees, but I have had such an amazing experience really trying to contribute. I love a quote of um, President Benson where he said, we're not a church of organized sitters. We are a church of organized workers and there is, there's work to be done and there's a whole lot of need around us. And as we look for those opportunities, I think that we'll definitely find that Heavenly Father Father blesses us and he magnifies us. And I've, I've seen it in my own life and I know it's possible for all LDS women. Thank you. So the organization is Project Elect, Women in Public Service, devoted to getting Latter-day Saint women to run for public office. Um, Audrey Martin and Rochelle Price, thank you very much for taking the time to talk with me this week. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. It's very nice of you to sit down with me. Thank you. Thank you. It's been great. Great. And everyone, thank you very much for taking the time to listen this week. We hope you'll join us again next week where we have either an interview or cover the news. We never know. It's just a big mystery all the time. Um, but we appreciate you being a part of the This Week in Mormons family. And uh, until then, we'll uh, we'll talk to you in another week. Until then, be well, be holy, and be happy. Bye-bye.